Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Is Taylor Swift really that big or is Ticketmaster and Live Nation's monopoly on ticket sales and venues the cost for Swifties not being able to purchase tickets? Microsoft is eager to acquire gaming company Activision Blizzard for $68.7 billion, but a new EU investigation has Microsoft Gaming CEO promising Call of Duty will remain on PlayStation. Bob Iger is returning temporarily as CEO of Disney, replacing Bob Chapek with the mandate to return to growth and handpick another CEO to take the helm within two years. And with the holiday season in full swing, we pick a few gift ideas that gadget geeks like us would probably enjoy. We've got all this and more for you in episode 61 of The Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. if you're watching... You can see my shirt, a.k.a. who made the potato salad. So that's what I'm going to be asking this week. Uh, looking forward to family coming in town so I can uh, see what's up on this potato salad and other things that are also important, but not as much. <laughs> Did you see this video where it is a family and they're having a family meeting? And it's a, it's a bunch of them. It's probably 15 to 20 folks. And they're basically discussing. Who's going to cook what? Who's going to mm-hmm. cook what with who? And and basically how things are going to go down. And what is really funny is that there was two folks that was going to be making a potato salad. And somebody suggested to somebody's auntie or grandmama or somebody that she should just get together with this other person and they make the potato salad together. Mm-hmm. It, it was the funniest thing of how she very she this, this is a this is a very politically savvy woman but she basically you know i'm gonna shorten it up she's like hell no like that that ain't gonna happen mm-hmm. but uh she was she was making she had way more coof about it as my grandmother would say and, and just explained as to why it's like well we can both make the potato salad but the togetherness in the making the potato salad that that's not gonna happen and <laughs> i'm looking at folks who are like I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm like, what was there not to understand? It's like, you, you, you don't mix, but potato salad chefs don't, don't, don't collaborate. It's like you, you make your stuff, you let somebody else make theirs, but you don't, you don't want no collaboration going on because if it ain't on point, then who's going to, who's going to take the blame? So well, that's not the video that stuck to me. The video stuck to me was, um, I don't know if it was a, a parody or if it was a real conversation, but some, somebody was telling people like, Hey, Thanksgiving is not the time for you to be experimenting. No, uh, I'm going to need you to come with it for Thanksgiving and make it personal. <laughs> My wife was talking to me this what yesterday about some um, experimental stuff she was going to try. I was like, all right, don't do it. Don't do it. It's mm-hmm. a it's a very noble, a noble cause, uh, something very uh, important that especially black folks need to adhere to as it relates to health and diet and all that stuff. I'm like, all right. 
Try it on. Try tomorrow. Try it on Friday. <laughs> try it next week. I Don't try it on Thanksgiving. You experiment <laughs> if you want to. But if you experiment and it ain't right on Thanksgiving, you run the risk of your cooking being talked about for the better part of a century if you're young. Well, I don't think it's I'm I'm be honest, I don't think it's that bad, but what will happen is is cooks they really want people to they want to see the look on people's face when they taste the food, right? And if you bite into something that don't have the taste of the flavor that you're used to, the cook themselves will take all that extra guilt and that'd be something that you won't be able to, you'll lose sleep at night. Everybody around the table at Thanksgiving, not liking your food. That's something <laughs> that people call therapy for. So I would suggest as the, the person making the food and the person wants to see the delight on people's faces when they <laughs> bite into it, don't try nothing on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. Just, just don't try. So y'all, this is a, uh, an, another, uh, just a tool of a show. Um, I talked to Stephanie yesterday. She will definitely be back uh, next week. So the week after Thanksgiving, uh, you know, she will be returning. But uh, Terrence, you and I just going to hold this one down. And man, you know, we, we are in Thanksgiving week. Thanks, you know, Thanksgiving is just a few days away. And there aren't a lot of tech stories going on, but there's a lot of tech stories going on. It's kind of like it's, it's it's not big news. It's just like a lot of different stuff. Um, it, it's the, it's the, in my opinion, it's my opinion, it's the news tech people should be talking about. But when it's slow, when it, when it's fast, everything is the, the quick, the bait, the bait link type stuff. You know, what's going on Apple? What's going on Facebook? What's going on with Twitter? What's going on with, with these popular tech companies? And then when they get kind of quiet, it's like, Oh, we need to actually report on tech news. So that's what this week is about. <laughs> so, well, you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about what's going on with Taylor Swift and Ticketmaster. And let me first off, uh, first start off and say this. Um, I know that Taylor Swift is immensely talented, but I'm, you know, I'm just not her demographic. I am certain that if you played a popular Taylor Swift song, I probably would recognize it and could even tell you the name. I just can't think of one off the top of my head, but. She basically is crashing Ticketmaster, selling tickets to the point to where you now have Congress people who are looking into it's like, you know, you messed up with these Taylor Swift tickets. Are you a monopoly? Do we need to break you? Up? I mean, those kind of questions are actually being asked. But, uh, you know, you, you put this link in here. Uh, what's your take yeah. on everything that's going on with Ticketmaster uh, and just how big Taylor Swift, you know, Taylor Swift might actually be? I'll be honest. I don't think Taylor Swift is that big. I think this is the straw that broke the camel's back. And what I mean by that is, and I'll throw a little conspiracy theory stuff in there. Um, it just seems like, yes, Taylor Swift is, is a big draw. She can pull a lot of people, but so is Beyonce. So is some, some of all these other people, right? I just think that. With the demand of what Taylor Swift brought for these initial quote unquote pre-sale tickets and all of the rumors and the conspiracy theories and things that other artists have been complaining about for years as it relates to Ticketmaster and quote unquote, whether or not it's a monopoly a lot. I think it all came to head with this Taylor Swift thing. So let me preface it. Um, Taylor Swift has not been on tour for a couple of years now. She's had a couple of releases, albums, EPs, music, whatever release since the last time she'd been on um, 
Last time she was on tour, she had some issues with her and her uh, publishing rights. She had a problem with her and her uh, manager. All that means she hasn't been on tour for the past couple of years in COVID, of course. Right. So she hasn't been on um, on tour for a couple of years, decided she has announced a tour. Uh, Ticketmaster is one of the few, if not only places that you can get tickets like this. A presale was announced. People flooded Ticketmaster, crashed Ticketmaster. My conspiracy theory tells me it wasn't the fans that crashed Ticketmaster. It was these resellers or people creating bots that will jump online and buy up all the tickets and then immediately turn around and resell them for twice, thrice, quadruple in Taylor Swift's case, hundreds uh multiples for these tickets to where you couldn't, the people, regular people like you and me wanted to go buy a ticket. We couldn't buy a ticket on Ticketmaster because it sold out. Or you can go to a reseller like TubHub, StubHub, whatever other resellers. They were selling them for $30,000, $90,000 a ticket, right? So that leads me to believe that it wasn't just regular people running in here and crashed the Ticketmaster site. It was something else going on, whether it be bots, which are technically legal because they're not illegal. But it also, my conspiracy theory tells me, and this is like, work with me here, right? I think Ticketmaster, because they have such a lockdown on event production and event distribution as well as it relates to tickets, I think, or I've heard, or I got a cousin that worked at Ticketmaster. That sounds better. <laughs> I got a ticket. I got a cousin that works at Ticketmaster and says Ticketmaster was letting these bots or letting these third-party resellers come in here, grab up all the tickets and turn around and resell them because they're going to get the back end. They're going to get their piece anyway. And as a result, they've been doing that for so long, right? And nobody noticed. It just so happened that Taylor Swift, a big name came in and they did the same old routine, but they didn't change anything up to account accommodate for the fact that Taylor Swift tickets was going to be a big draw and it crashed the site so much. So like you mentioned that people are jumping in, for instance, uh, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think I said that correctly. She said she put on Twitter daily reminder that Ticketmaster is a monopoly. It's a merger with Live Nation, which is the company that kind of owns all the event venues where you go to actually see these um See these events. Uh, it's merger with Live Nation should never have been approved and they need to be reined in. Break them up. And personally, I agree. I don't know a lot about the ticket industry. I don't know about event production, uh, event promoting, but I know for a fact that Ticketmaster is a purchase of Live Nation and Live's Nation's contracts with all these different ticket houses. It's like you for the artists, they can't get around going through Ticketmaster mm-hmm. without actually, you know, cutting into the audience that they can actually reach out to. So that's pretty much the debacle. So I just wanted to put it out there and get your takes on it as well. Yeah, th- this is a uh, if, if you look at uh, Ticketmaster Live Nation, they are a monopoly based off of contracts. So when you think of like 
still, you know, if you go back to the seventies, uh, you think of, you know, or even before that, you go back to these big steel companies, uh, that produce steel, um, or you go to the car companies. Well, they were monopolies just because they were big enough to actually have, you know, they had all the infrastructure to produce what they produce. There would be nothing from, you know, from, from you and I starting a, you know, getting some developers and starting a ticket company, um, you know, where we can sell online tickets. The technology is not terribly difficult. What's difficult is, as you were saying, is that all of these contracts are in place. So the only one who can sell you the tickets is Ticketmaster. And if they don't have any competition, then they don't necessarily have to, you know, make all these, uh, you know, these backend servers work. I, I think one of the issues was that they foresaw that there might be a run on Taylor Swift tickets. They made it so that you could actually sign up to a, you know, to like a higher level of Ticketmaster account, or I guess you're paying like a fee so that you can get access first. And even those folks couldn't get tickets. So it's like even the thing that they're creating to allow you to get tickets is not allowing you to get tickets just because they are the only place that you can go to do it. And there's no, I mean, there's no innovation in the industry because no one else can sell the tickets to you. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, where this one goes. And it's just, it's just funny to be the stuff that actually can potentially get people in Congress to move on stuff. It's like, you know, you can't, you couldn't, I couldn't buy tickets to Taylor Swift. Problem. Let's go see if we can figure it out how to, you know, how to figure it out with legislation. And as you're saying, this is one that probably needs to, needs to be fixed because it is a problem. And, and one that people have been paying attention to, people have mentioned in our comments for the show that this has been an issue for a long time, for right? Years. So much, mm-hmm. so much so it leads me to believe. I don't think it was like on the strength of Taylor Swift. Yeah, she's a big draw, but this is like the camel, the, the straw that broke the camel's back there. It's like, all right, there's enough of this, right? So then I just wanted to, the, to quote, uh, Ticketmaster's response to uh, this old issue. Initially, they blamed the pre-sale issues on record-setting demand. Uh, Live Nation, again, which is a parent company of uh, Ticketmaster, is a parent company. Live Nation defended against the monopoly allegations with a statement responding to the Justice Department's investigation. So, Justice Department said, "Hey, we're going to look into this." Uh, the company claimed that Ticketmaster's dominance in the market was due to its quality calling Ticketmaster, quote unquote, the most transparent and fan friendly ticketing system in the United States. Live Nation cited the approval of his merger in 2010 and the consent decree that it followed afterwards. Yada, yada, yada. Um, uh, Ticketmaster statement. Live Nation reiterated its commitment to improvement. So basically <laughs> what they said was. Uh, the reason why the mergers mergers legit and reason why they're not a, a monopoly is because they're pretty good a pretty good ticketing system, which again, the whole point of a a monopoly doesn't mean that you're pretty good. The whole point of a monopoly means you're the only one that can able to compete at this level. Everybody else is just like slim pickings and it has to be um, artists have to be big enough like Taylor Swift to decide whether or not they're going to put their tickets on Ticketmaster at all. They're going to take a hit if they don't do it. But they can take that hit. Some of these other smaller acts, some of these smaller bands, some of these smaller groups, you know, they can't say, nah, I don't want to mess with live. I don't want to have an event at a venue owned by Live Nation. And I don't want to put my tickets on Ticketmaster because of X, Y, and Z reasons. If they do that, 
they out here in the dark, you know, pretty much doing everything on their own because Ticketmaster puts you in front of a lot of people and Live Nation puts you, gives you the availability to work at all these different venues versus being constrained to the small amount of the venues that if you decided not to do a Live Nation and decided not to go on Ticketmaster, people want to buy tickets, right? Mm -hmm. I know if I want to buy a ticket to a, a basketball game, football game, concert, go to Ticketmaster. If I'm trying to find an event from this artists that I want to find out and I got to go to tickets on demand dot IO slash company forward slash biz. Right. And I got to create an account and I got to jump through all these hoops. I just want to go to Ticketmaster and buy the tickets. So that just puts these artists and these venues at the mercy of Ticketmaster and Live Nation. Um, much so much so than anybody else to where there's nobody, there's no competition. There's no competition out there for Ticketmaster and Live Nation for them for them to fool somebody into thinking that they're not a monopoly. And I just don't understand how they get here. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm thinking through this and I can see a way where individual artists, you know, could do this. The problem is that it can't just be one or two. It has to be a lot of folks doing this. But if you say, you know what, I'm going to create an email list. If you, if you are a fan of mine and you rock with me, get on my email list. Going to find out when I'm going to be in your city. Going to, you know, when I have new releases, I'm going to put that out. You, you're putting out regular content to your fans, to your fanatics that, that, that are following you. And if you decide to not go through Ticketmaster, but you got a couple hundred thousand people on your email list and you show up in your city, people are going to tend to buy tickets through you if they rock with you to that point to where they were on your email list in the first place. And I can't remember who this artist was, but he was talking about this and he was saying how, you know, when he, you know, he did, he's done this here in the States and he's done this overseas. We was like, yeah, I try not to have to deal with any third parties, that, you know, um, that keep me from getting directly to my people. It's like, yeah, I may not sell a million tickets, but I don't need to. If I can sell a hundred thousand, but I get the money, the, the money is coming to me. And, you know, and basically I'm just paying my processing fee to uh, have you buy my tickets. I probably make more than dealing with these large giant corporations. So uh, I, I just think that it would take a lot of artists to say, hey, no, nah, I'm not dealing with Ticketmaster anymore. I'm not dealing with Live Nation anymore. And there is, you know, th there's downsides to that. You're not going to get stadiums. You're not going to get the, the, the biggest venues that a Taylor Swift is going to get. So it's, it's that balancing act. You know, what do you do? It's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. But this was, this was an interesting story. I'm glad you stuck it in there because it's just like, wow, the, the thing is sticking in my head. And you, and you may be right that this may not have as much to do with Taylor Swift as it has to do with this was just the, you know, the, the, the needle that finally, you know, you know, broke the proverbial cam camel's back. But the, the story that's sticking in my head is that Taylor Swift is a big star. She's worldwide recognizable. And because some congressmen couldn't get tickets for themselves or tickets for their kids, that's why this is now being investigated to see whether or not it is a monopoly and if it needs to be broken up. That that is just it's not even it's not even uh you know, it's it's funny to me that that's what's happening. It's not even like a shocking anymore because it's like I know where we live. But uh yeah, this was a uh, th this was a big deal. It's like, you know, the, you know, people couldn't buy tickets. I saw all kind of comedians making jokes about it and this and that and the other. Um, Trevor Noah, he basically was literally while he's doing his show, trying to get tickets and stuff like that. I thought it was funny, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which again, like you mentioned, um, yeah, making jokes about it is cool. But, uh, these artists, cause Trevor Noah has a, uh, has a, uh, comedy tour and I'm pretty sure he goes through Ticketmaster. So it's like enough. The time has come 
you know, when it comes to things like this, for people to stop talking about it and they need to do something. Again, like you mentioned, it's going to have to be a large amount of people doing things in unison because other than that, the competition is going to get squashed because Ticketmaster knows it's like, look, you know, we got y'all. What y'all going to do about it? Go to somebody else. Ha ha ha. Tell, tell me another joke. <laughs> So Terrence, for this uh, next story, um, you know, I, I don't know if we've really talked about this on this show. I don't know if many of our listeners are gamers. I don't know. I don't think I would consider myself a gamer. I am just an adult that plays games probably more than an hour a week. I, I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. if that puts me into the gamer category. But uh, for those who haven't heard, Microsoft, they announced this back, I want to say it was in January earlier this year, that uh, they were going to be acquiring um, um, Activision Blizzard. Um, mm-hmm. And for, if you don't know, Activision Blizzard, they make some of the biggest games out there, uh, namely Call of Duty is probably the biggest name game that you're going to hear. Uh, I, I've, I've literally been playing Call of Duty for decades now. Um but um they made this announcement back in January. But uh earlier uh this month, or actually I think it was last month, um the EU decided to launch an investigation into the proposed merger because I mean this is big. I think I think it is a sixty-eight point seven billion dollar uh you know acquisition. That would put it as one of the biggest in you know in history. Uh and this is uh you know it's because People are worried about what's going to happen if Microsoft now controls all of these games, namely Call of Duty. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of folks that play that have PlayStations that have been worried about this. If you buy uh, Activision, am I still going to be able to play Call of Duty? And that that has mm-hmm. been a recurring theme literally all year. So now, um, as I said, EU is launching an investigation and Phil Spencer, who was the CEO of Microsoft Gaming, he is now coming out. He, it seems like he's doing like a media tour where he's related to telling anyone who was willing to listen, we are not going to make Call of Duty exclusive to the Xbox. You know, you will be able to, uh, you know, get this for, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. I believe they initially offered Microsoft, or excuse me, they offered Sony a three-year contract. Sony did not like that. They've come back and they have now offered a 10-year contract and we'll see, you know, where that goes. And one of the things that was being said is that regardless of what side of this you sit on, you can't make contracts to go in definitely. There has to be some limit on it um, just for a lot of other reasons. But 10 years is is, is a long time where, of course, they could renegotiate that before those 10 years are up. So, you know, what do you think on this? You know, do you have a problem with a a company, you know, like Microsoft buying up this big giant um, developer of games? Um, Are you cool? Um, I have a problem with it only because you can't trust companies. (laughs) You just can't trust companies and corporations. I don't care what this um what's this guy's Phil Spencer says about what they're going to do with Call of Duty and PlayStation and promising, you know, he could promise all day long that uh, Call of Duty is going to stay on PlayStation. If Microsoft decides that they don't want Call of Duty on PlayStation no more because of whatever reason, because they're trying to stick it to PlayStation, because whatever the case may be, guess what's going to happen? They're going to pull Call of Duty off of PlayStation. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen, even though I do have a, a, a Xbox. Um, 
I want to play with as many people. I want to play with as many people as possible. And Call of Duty is one of the first, if not the best, uh, games that offers cross-platform playing with PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. You know, it's one of the best to do it. And I don't put nothing past companies. I don't put nothing past profits. I don't put nothing past capitalism for Microsoft to buy Activision. A couple years go by and they say, yeah, nah, we're going to keep, we're going to make uh, Call of Duty a uh, Xbox only, which would be crazy. But then again, I don't put nothing past nobody, especially companies. <laughs> yeah, because I was thinking, it's like, okay, what's the fine print? If you say you're going to keep it on there for three years, or you say that you're going to keep it, we will keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for 10 years. Well, that's what you've said. But does Microsoft come out with, you know, it's not Call of Duty, it's just, you know, like, Right now, even within Activision, there's been a split. You've got the Call of Duty and then you've got the Modern Warfare. Uh, same game, but different game, you know, but gift, you know, different people making the games within the same organization. It's, it's, it's kind of all, all of a mess. It would be really interesting to see how this, how this works, uh, you know, going forward. I'm, I'm with you. I, I would hear what Microsoft would say, but would I trust it? I, I don't know that I would. And, uh, from, from Sony's standpoint, um, like I said, you know, I don't know if we have a lot of, uh, gamers that, uh, you know, that, that listen to this, you know, this particular show, cause we don't really talk about games a lot on here, but, uh, the, the game that I've played most in my life is probably Madden, um, which I've actually retired. I, you know, I stopped playing Madden, but I, I go all the way back to when I was in college playing like, you know, tech mobile and super tech mobile. And then when Madden came out, I, I think I got every version of Madden for probably close to, you know, 18, 19 years. Um, and played hours and hours and hours and hours in that game. Call of Duty, I won't say it's a close second, but I have spent, you know, uh, when, it, when it comes to hours, uh, you know, I, I've spent more time in Call of Duty um, in probably every other game that I've ever played outside of Madden and maybe The Division, um, which is another first-person shooter type game because I've played that quite a bit as well. So if you include those two, I would say that, you know, just Call of Duty, I have more time in that than I probably have in all other games combined. It is, and that's not just me, like saying someone who I'm not a gamer, I just play games. But, um, when, when, when this latest version came out, I powered through it. I mean, I, I think it probably took me two weeks to get through the, the single player. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't play the, I don't play the single player. I go straight to multiplayer. And that's all I play is Call of Duty. I don't play anything else. I can't think of, I think the division was the last non Call of Duty game that I played, and that moves too slow t- for me. So <laughs> I need to play against other people, and I'm not a sports gamer. So Call of Duty is all I get, all I use. So. But no, it's it, it is it is absolutely huge um, as far as as games go. Um, and now you've got like the, uh, the, the Call of Duty now where they've got the, like the free to play versions to where it's, it's almost like, uh, playing Fortnite or something like that. You know, the battle royale style games. I mean, there, there are just, there are hundreds of thousands of people who are playing this game at any given time. So it's, it's massive. Yeah. So I understand where Sony is coming from. I understand why the EU is looking at it because this is a massive, massive, uh, you know, acquisition by Microsoft and it's pushing $70 billion for a game company. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see. Now, I do want to ask you this. What are your thoughts on the new Call of Duty? 
I actually, as far as the, I'm not a creature of habit, but that modern warfare, the one that came out in 2019, um, I, I love the audio, the sound of the, the, the sound of the footsteps, the sound of the action, the sound of the guns. That seems to me the most clear and concise audio mixing that I've ever heard in a video game. This next Call of Duty Modern Warfare Part 2, um, the audio is not the same. The same that go, went with Cold War, the same with Vanguard, which is the two releases since the Modern Warfare. I don't like the audio in any of those. And even with this newer one, I can tell the audio is a little different. That Modern Warfare that came out in 2019 was the best audio mixing as far as guns, as far as, you know, background noise, as far as music, as far as action. I love the audio of that one the most. So I, I can't say I've even played attention to, uh, you know, like the audio mixes or whatever. I just, I just get into the game and, and like playing. Um, the one, the, the problem that I have is that, as I said, I don't call myself a gamer anymore. Um, but there are people who play this who are gamers. I mean, they, they, they spend major hours daily in this. And the ability for people to get so good so quickly in these games um, makes it. I don't want to say it makes it less fun because it is, it's still fun to play because, you know, you you can you can level up with people who are your level. But um, it's like, what did that do? Just like somersault and shoot me with a sniper rifle <laughs> <laughs> like while somersaulting It's like, you know, it, 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 did that just happen to me? And, um, you know, the folks are so, they, they just get so good in it. Um, but like you said, one of the things that is cool about Call of Duty is that even though it has cross play, um, my experience is that, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty seamless across platforms. Um, it's hard to beat somebody good playing on a key, you know, with a keyboard and mouse. Um, that's just because you just, I, there's so many more options think- that you have. And I don't even think it's that. I think the reason why computer gamers tend to be better is because the speed, the computing power, the video quality coming off of a PC is a split second faster than a PlayStation or an Xbox, which means that split second can be the difference between you getting a headshot, if we're talking about Call of Duty, and you dying. And I think that's the, I think that's the main differentiator because I know a lot of PC gamers that use joystick and they still faster. I mean, that split second, that, that, that graphics card that costs mm-hmm. thousands of dollars, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that monitor, that 8K monitor that they are using is mm-hmm. so much better <laughs> than my Xbox and my LED TV. It's that split second that causes me to get dusted so many times. And I just be like, oh, well, it's the game. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, a buddy of ours, Chris Ashley, uh, you know, um, one of my co-hosts over on SMR podcast and host of, uh, you know, barbecue and tech podcast. Uh, he was basically trying to say, Rob, you're not going to understand it 
until you see it. When he actually went from his original Xbox to like the mm-hmm. Xbox One X to where he's now playing and, you know, f- was it fork as 8K? I- I'm not even mm-hmm. sure what it is, but it's, it's basically is much higher resolution than what I have and playing on an actual, uh, I believe he's playing on an 8K gaming monitor. Mm-hmm. And he was like, the, the difference is that I can see more. So things that you just can't see, you know, th- these games that have basically been remastered for um, this higher end system, even though you can play, uh, you know, I can you can play against me. I can play against you. I literally can see more than you can see. Therefore, uh, I have, uh, you know, advantages that you don't have because there's things that I can see coming before you can see them coming or I can sneak up on you um, because I can see where you are, but you can't see where I'm at. Uh, just because, you know, your frames are just not where my frames are. And I didn't get that until I actually, uh, had to get a new Xbox just because the old one, you know, I got, I got tired of, uh, replacing Transformers in the old one. Um, so I went ahead and, uh, you know, and got a new one. I was like, Oh, that's what he was talking about. It's like, it, it is. It is literally the difference between night and day. It's like, the, it's you know, if, if you've ever been in the stores, it's hard to see it now because people are so used to seeing HD. Um, and 4K TVs when you walk into Best Buy. But if you remember back in the day when you were walking to Bex, in the Best Buy and you were seeing like the first HD TVs, um, the first, you know, um, 2K TVs compared to just standard like 720p or even low def, you know, we're, we're going back, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And you'd be looking at the TV and you would actually go and look at the backside of the TV to make sure you were looking at the TV and not like through a window or something that big because it was, it, it looked that clear to you. Is that kind of difference. So if, if the PC gamers are just getting, because, you know, if you think about it, man, you know, what you would spend on an Xbox, that's half a graphics card, let alone the rest of the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I know yep. people who will spend two, three hundred dollars on a mic, on a mouse, um, mm-hmm. for gaming. They'll spend two, three hundred dollars on a keyboard specifically for gaming. That keyboard and that mouse costs more than the actual Xbox. So, yeah, you know, they, they get it, not cheating. They just get advantages, you know, from the ability of their hardware. So, um, I don't know if, if we do have any, uh, any gamers that are, you know, that are listeners, uh, to us and you like us talking about gaming, um, let us know. We'll, we'll do it more, but, um, Man, definitely, and definitely hit me up. I need some squad to play with on, uh, Call of Duty. So hit me up. I'm at Brother Tech on, uh, Activision. So hit me up. So, um, Chris, you know, Christmas is soon coming. So I'm, you know, Thanksgiving once it's here, I, I am into, I really ain't doing much in December mode, uh, except playing video games. So, uh, I might have to hit you up, but see last time I played with you, you was that dude doing somersaults, shooting people with sniper rifles. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm a sniper. <laughs> I'm a quick, quick scoper. That's what I, that's what I do. And it's like, dude, how, how did you see that that quick? So, uh, so yes, maybe I'll jump on with you so you can give me some tip, um, some tips and tricks to, uh, just so that I can actually be respectable. I just like to have a positive, uh, you know, um, kill, uh, to death ratio. If I'm, if I'm doing that, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like, I mean, some, some of these dudes will be in there. They'll have, you know, 24, you know, kills and four deaths. I don't need that. I just want to be like 11, positive. Uh, you know, 11 positive. and nine. I want to be 13 and eight. You know, that, that that's, that's a good game for me. What I don't want to be is four and 22 because now I feel like everybody else is carrying me just to get those four that I got. So, um, th- that is a good one. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So let's get into uh, a couple of other of these quick hit stories uh, before we do something a little different, uh, you know, in this show. I don't think we've even done this before. We're going to get into some picks for uh, the holiday season. But um, I did want to talk about something that like I think this I just heard this today. Uh, where, uh, Bob Iger, uh, former CEO of Disney is decided to come back as CEO and they're ousting the current CEO. I think his name is Bob Chappick. Uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess the, the story is that is like, you know, this guy became the, uh, you know, Bob became the CEO right at the beginning or right before the beginning of the pandemic. So clearly, once the pandemic, uh, you know, hit and it was affecting the theme parks, uh, adversely in, 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 in the most significant way possible. Literally, we're in a global pandemic. People can't, you know, be in contact with each other. Um, he really focused on streaming and Disney and, and all, and all that kind of stuff. But it, you know, from the rumors that I've been reading, uh, you know, today on this is that he is a very, uh, managed by analytics type of guy. It's like, you know, the numbers tell us that we need to do this. The numbers tell us that we need to do that. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but it sounds like that that was like purely his management style. If the numbers don't say something different, we're not going to do something different. Um, or we are going to do something different. Whereas Bob Iger was more of a, uh, I don't want to say that gut feel because he, you know, he, he was at, you know, Disney for quite a while. He was, you know, he was a good manager there at Disney, but sometimes he would not allow numbers to, uh, dictate what he was going to do potentially for people. Um, you know, this, this makes sense because this is a good group, you know, we're down, you know, this year, but we can come back. We'll get back with it. And I think that was more of his management style. Mm-hmm. And, um, it sounds like, uh, the shareholders and the board are kind of, you know, filling how, you know, how he used to run things and they've brought this dude back in. So like immediately, uh, about, you know, um, Bob, uh, uh, Chappick has uh, stepped down and Iger is now back, you know, at the helm and he's saying he's only going to be there temporarily. He's going to be there for two years, um, with a, you know, with a mandate for, and I'm doing the quotes now for people who can't see me, renewed growth. And he's going to groom his successor. The only thing with that is that isn't Bob Chappick his groom successor? Didn't he kind of pick this guy the last time? So it's like, okay, well, if you didn't pick the right guy the last time, what, what makes you think you're going to pick the right guy again? But it could, it could be that. It, it could be that. It could also be that uh, when Biger, uh, Iger hand dude keys, uh, this dude Chappick was like, all right. Now I'm going to do things the way I want to do things, you know, and all CEOs, you know, managers, whomever, the new guy, they always come in with all these plans on how they're going to do things different, yada, yada, yada. And like you mentioned, this Chappick guy was a heavy analytics guy, but, you know, uh, not his fault. The um, epidemic, you know, coronavirus hit that kind of derailed probably some of the things that he could have could have put in place. And as a result, you know, since you are the guy, you know, you're going to take a hit for the pandemic. That's what I was looking for, the pandemic, even if that wasn't your fault. Now, what was his fault was 
that whole don't say gay bill that uh, Florida passed and company and people were looking towards companies to say, hey, this is dumb. We don't agree with this. What say you companies? Specifically Disney, which is the biggest company in Florida. Yeah. And, and, and Disney was like, ah, and they waited too late. And then they saw what everybody was doing. It was like, oh, yeah, 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 us too. Yeah. And in, a, in addition to that, um, he criticized uh, Scarlett Johansson for mm-hmm. suing because of the whole deal with her. She was supposed to get some money as it relates to streaming, but the, the Disney tried to pull a fast one. Right. And she was like, no, 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 no. Which I, what was supposed to happen was X, Y, and Z. So they got a little bit of kerfuffle about mm. that. So with those three things, I think was why they was like, no, nah, we need to get somebody else in here. Yeah. He, he did <laughs> the one thing with that, you know, with that bill that a company mm. of Disney stature just can't do. He stuck mm-hmm. his finger in his mouth, wet his finger, mm-hmm. and then put his and finger waited. up and waited mm-hmm. to see which mm-hmm. which way is the wind blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of companies do that. Disney cannot do that. For uh, you know, I mean, it, it, when when you go to Orlando, Orlando is Disney. I mean, it, it's it's mm-hmm. everywhere. It's you know, it, it, it is a humongous driver of revenue. Um, you know, uh, you know, for that city. And for that state to the point to where, I mean, they had their own laws and stuff. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the current administration is kind of, you know, uh, you know, bucking that trend, you know, where they've had these special arrangements with the governments and stuff like that. But Disney is huge and he couldn't do that. You know, that was one of those times where Disney needed to lead on that because it was going to be other companies that were going to look to Disney and say, well, what's Disney doing? Okay. Well, that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And. That, you know, that I remember that that just made, you know, it made Disney look really, 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 really bad, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when they didn't come out, regardless of what the stand they took. The fact, they just didn't take one. They didn't um, take anyone. They, didn't take, they yeah. didn't take any stand. So it, it looked like they were we just going to wait and see what happens and then we'll tell you what we think, which is not what mm-hmm. people were looking to hear from from that company. But um, it, it's, it's going to be interesting. He's going to be there for, you know, for another two years. And uh uh, you know, we will see, uh, you know, how this, you know, how this is ultimately going to go. Um, I am soon getting ready to do what I always do with, uh, my, uh, media plans, um, as far as like my streaming, uh, media plans to where, uh, I believe that, uh, I'm coming up soon on the last episode of, uh, of Andor, um, the Star Wars, uh, story. <laughs> When I come up on that, if there is nothing else that I'm just like, oh, I'm really in watching this, I will give it a month. And if there's nothing else on within a month, then I have to let, uh, you know, Disney Plus go. And it, it's been working for me. So it's like, you know, I ended up, I ended up canceling, uh, services darn near monthly because there's something that I'm just not watching for a month. The only one that I won't do that with is Amazon. That's because I do truly use Amazon's, uh, you know, Amazon services. Uh, so I don't do that. <laughs> what I do is I've started to convert or take advantage of some of these deals that are rolled into some of my other services that I use. For example, I was paying for, um, Peacock, Peacock Plus. Is it Peacock or Peacock? Anyway. Yeah. Um, Peacock. I was paying, I was paying for that for soccer because I'm getting into uh, soccer a lot and come to find out, um, that it, you get free months or you get you get credits back uh via American Express. You got to sign up for the offer, you pay for Peacock, they credit your your bill, right? So I took advantage of that. And then Netflix, 
uh, since I'm a T-Mobile user and I've got four lines, five lines, if you count my Apple Watch, uh, on T-Mobile. And um, with T-Mobile, they give you like a super deal on Netflix. So I dis- disconnected my regular Netflix account, which I just transferred it over. Same same stuff. It's just I signed on for it under my T-Mobile plan. So I pay for it with my bill for T-Mobile. It pays for Netflix. But instead of paying $14 or $19, I think I'm only paying 7 or $8 because that's the deal. So I started doing more of that thing. It's like, all right, what services do I already use? Like, for instance, this is has nothing to do with streaming. But uh, Grubhub has a deal with Amazon. Since I'm an Amazon Prime as well, you get uh, Grubhub to where they cancel your delivery fees. So I'm starting to do stuff like that. Find out what services that I already use, find out what deals they're offering, and then sign up for those versus trying to split everything out. So I do that where it makes sense to do that. Um, but sometimes it's just like... Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't have HBO Max. That was the last one I got rid of because I just, I wasn't, there's nothing on HBO Max and I'm watching. So let me just cancel that. Save myself however much. I know that one's going to be going up soon, uh, when they get this, uh, Discovery Plus merger, but they're, um, they're all going up. I'm getting emails left and right. Apple TV plus, Apple, Apple TV plus went up. Netflix went up. Disney went up. <laughs> they all like, all right, yeah, let's so, go up at the same time. <laughs> so it's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start just reading books more because <laughs> it's like it's getting too expensive to get all these streaming shows. Well, I'm not doing that. I'd rather just not. I'd rather look at the wall than read a book. But that's just me. So, <laughs> so uh, I, you know, I, I am excited about this last uh, segment that we're going to get into because this one's this one's a little different. We, we have not done this uh, on the Tech John yet. But uh it's, you know, Thanksgiving is Thursday. Black Friday is Friday. Cyber Monday is next Monday. It's a week from today. So I figured that it would be, you know, just knowing that we're getting into the holiday season. Now, I know for some folks, holiday season uh, started uh, probably the day after Christmas last year. And for many others, it, you know, the official start to the holiday season, we used to say that it was Thanksgiving. I think Memorial Day is the official start now. I mean, it's like folks start shopping for holidays so early at this point, but yeah, I'd say around July when <laughs> things start, <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know, I, what we decided to do is, uh, and I, I hit Terrence up this morning and just say, Hey man, why don't we see if we can come up with some products, you know, some, some gadgets, uh, that, uh, you might want to look out for, see if you can't get yourself a deal on something, uh, coming up. These, these are the kind of things that often will, uh, you know, you will find a good Cyber Monday or Black Monday deal. And honestly, man, almost everything you buy, you can find a good deal for on Cyber Monday or, uh, you know, or Black Friday. And, and these things, you no longer have to wait until Friday or Monday. They, they literally started weeks ago and they just, they mm-hmm. just kind of go until, you know, mm-hmm. you know, a couple weeks after, uh, Christmas and, you know, into, into the first, second week of January. So I want to go first here, um, you know, uh, with a little device here. So, uh, my first pick is the Anchor Nano 3 30 watt before, USB-C charger. Go ahead. Before you get started, are there any special parameters? Is this just something you thought that was a good deal? Is this something that you use? Is this something you think our audience is going to use? What was your parameters for picking these? This is, this is, I am a tech gadget fiend. These are the kind okay. of things that I would get for myself. Okay. And oftentimes okay. do, which, which infuriates my family because they can never buy me anything because I don't wait. For if there's something I want, I just kind of go get it. So these are mm-hmm. things that many of them I already own 
or we're going to see if I can't hold off another six weeks, <laughs> you know, five, five weeks or however long we have until, uh, you know, until Christmas comes. So like I said, the first one I'm picking is the Anchor Nano 3 30 watt USB-C fast charger. Reason I'm picking this is because, um, I believe Terrence, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Was it back in 2020? Was it that was the iPhone 12? Was that the first iPhone to come without a charger brick in the box? Yes. Yeah. So, yes, so, so, so we're a couple years, uh, into, um, no chargers. It was, I think it was 11. I take it back. The 11 was iPhone 11. Yeah. So I, I know it's been, you know, several years, like the so 2020 is, I, I think the year that it happened. Um, maybe, you know, 2019, but anyway, um, what I'm starting to notice now is that I have nieces and nephews and just like friends and family who are getting new phones, but not getting these new bricks. And they're always saying, how does your phone charge so fast? Because I literally have a 60 watt charger. So my phone charges ridiculously fast because I'm putting all that power into it. Well, they're still using their original chargers from their iPhones from years ago that weren't fast chargers. So this was a, you know, just a good pick. Um, it's not, you know, terribly expensive. I think it's like under 25 bucks. Um, and it does fast charge, you know, you know, it'll, it'll charge your uh, iPhone 14 up pretty darn quick. Um, or any, uh, you know, like you know, it's, it, the charger is USB C. So you plug whatever cable you want to plug into it and then plug that into your device. So you, it'll support, um, you know, clearly USB C. It'll also support the, uh, what is the, you know, um, the uh, charger called on the iPhone? Lightning. Lightning. Support the uh, USB to lightning cable. Right. Um, and they're cute, as uh, my daughter has told me, because they come in like multiple of these pastel colors that, you know, you chances are you can match it up to a recent uh, iPhone um, or Android and device. And, they're, and they are very tiny. And they, it, one of the things I like about them is that they actually fold in the, the prongs fold in. So they're mm-hmm. so small, you could literally put it in your pocket and not feel out of place. I mean, you, you wouldn't even notice it in there. It's, 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 you know, they're very, very small. Yep, I have one of these and I have the Anchor uh multi port that's got two or three of these and then like a USB A port as well. So Right. So watch. like so I said, you know, and we'll put links to all the stuff um in our show notes. So anybody who's listening, you don't have to try to remember what we're telling you. You can go just uh, you know, download the show, look at the show notes, and it'll be right there. But I am a, I'm an anchor fan. I have bought multiple anchor devices from multiple people in my family. And like I said, this is one that, you know, that I actually, uh, got for someone. It's like, yeah, it's actually not, you know, it's not a bad gift. It's a nice little stocking stuffer. So it is the, once again, is the anchor nano three 30 watt USB C fast charger. All right. So my parameters for picking stuff is something that I already have <laughs> or something I'm looking at getting myself. So I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Be out here like, oh, yeah, I think you should get this. Then somebody asked me a question about it. They, I don't know. Uh, I guess, you know, this is stuff either I'm interested in or, or already have or stuff that I'm actually actively looking for, either for a Christmas present for myself or for others. So actually, the first one I'm listing is one I already have and I already use on a regular basis. It's a SanDisk two terabyte uh portable solid state drive. And right now it's on sale at Amazon for $150, which actually is 300. I had to read this. I had to read this a couple of times to make sure that I got the price right. Normally on Amazon, this two terabyte portable SSD, which is about as small as, I don't know if you're, (laughs) for those listening, you got to pretend like I'm using my fingers, but about the size of 
maybe smaller than a match of cards or like a it's, yeah, about smaller look. It's a little smaller. smaller than a it's smaller than a credit card. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, ba- so I had to read this to make sure it's right. Uh, on Amazon, the list price for this two terabyte portable solid state drive is four hundred and fifty nine dollars. It is sixty seven percent off and is actually on sale for one hundred and fifty dollars. And I don't know if you use external hard drives out there. Uh, hard drive, external hard drives are cheap nowadays. Solid state is the way to go. But this is you can put this on a keychain and for one hundred and fifty dollars have two terabytes of storage on you. I actually use this on a regular basis for uh, editing videos between the Tech John, between my own videos, between Snob OS. I'm editing videos and uploading videos and saving a lot of um, uh, video footage, which is can be big. Right. So I actually use this and I actually have my editing library on this drive that I actually use. So that's my pick. Again, this is the SanDisk two terabyte extreme portable solid state on Amazon for 150 bucks. Yeah, I have a couple of these. In fact, I just bought one not too long ago, probably in the last three or four months because the other one, I was running out of space on it. And although it has like the the four fifty nine ninety nine on here on Amazon. It wasn't that. I want to say. Yeah, like, that's what I was saying. I think the regular price is like maybe one eighty nine for the two terabyte. So still, yeah. you're still getting like a forty dollar discount on here, but you're not getting that ridiculous discount. That uh, like I said, this is is listed at four fifty nine ninety nine. I've never seen this cost that, and I would not recommend anybody spend that much on this because there are other ones you can get that would cost less. But yeah, these things yeah. are great, and they're tanks, man. They're darn near. I don't want to say they're indestructible. I, I don't want to say that. So I, I don't want people going out and, you know, and tossing them in the street um, or anything like that. But they are rugged. Uh, like, you know, Terrence says, you can put this on your keychain. I'm not sticking mine on my keychain. It just goes in the bag, but I wouldn't be worried about it if it were. I wouldn't be worried about it clinging, you know, clinking in the other keys or I, you know, I drop my keys or something like that and, you know, it hits the ground. Um, that this thing feels like, you know, it would bounce, um, and, and, and just keep going. I mean, it, it feels like Lego. It's like, I don't want to say it's as indestructible as Lego, but it's like, it, it seems like it is very, very well put together. So that's, that's a good pick. All right. So my next one here is it's uh, it's got a weird name, but, uh, you know, I'll explain what it is. But it's called the VG Azer Magnetic Levitating Light Bulb Desk Lamp. So imagine a um, imagine a circular uh, um, imagine like a, a like a wireless charger uh, sitting just sits flat on your desk and above the wireless charger is just a light bulb that floats upright and is lit. That's the best way to try to, you know, picture what this thing is. It, it, it's like a, uh, it's got this base with a magnet in it and sends mm-hmm. power into the light bulb and you stick the light bulb. When you turn it on, you stick the light bulb over top of the magnet and it literally just floats above and is balanced perfectly uh, above this uh, platform. And it just floats there. I mean, you could run your finger under it. Like you got to do it quickly because if you put it there too long, it'll actually make the light fall down, but you can run your <laughs> finger under it. It's, it. The light is literally just floating there in the middle of the air. Um, and it's pretty cool. I had one um, on a desk, uh, you know, um, years ago. And I don't know what happened to it. It's like, I, I you know, I, I ended up leaving um, this position 
I'm certain that I put it into a box. I just can't remember what I did with it. So I was like, you know, I kind of want, I, I kind of like that thing. I cannot find it. I don't know if I accidentally threw it away or something like that. So I want to get another one. So th- this one, as I said, it is called the VG Azer Magnetic Levitating Light Bulb Desk Lamp. It comes in two versions. The one that I really like is the one that I've explained where it's the saucer and the light above the saucer and it's just floating. There's another one where it's almost like a lamp to where the lamp comes up, it's got a curve on it, and then the light bulb hangs from the curved part of the lamp. So literally the light bulb is hanging down below the magnet and it's just hanging in the air. And that one looks pretty cool as well. Um, so, so these are both, once again, they're on Amazon. Um, I want to say they're roughly in the $70, $80 range or something like that, but it is the VGA Zer magnetic levitating light bulb desk lamp. All right. All right. So let's see where my notes at, where my notes at. Let's see. All right. So my next one is uh, AirTags. Uh, everybody's familiar with Apple AirTags, but Amazon has a little deal, uh, $25 off for $75. And the reason why I advocate for these is because, of course, like I mentioned before, I have them and they actually come in handy. I actually put a couple in my daughter's bag. Uh, she went to with a band trip and they went out of town. So she was able to uh, watch or keep an eye on her luggage uh, while she was, uh, you know, playing in the band, make sure nobody was in her stuff, make sure it gets lost, things of that nature. In addition to that, uh, we've seen I well, let me let me rephrase. <laughs> I have seen a bunch of stories in the news as it relates to people using air tags to, of course, not track people. That's not what it's for. You can't be tracking your baby mama. <laughs> can't be, you know, tracking out where you, where your man is when he's supposed to be quote unquote at work. This is for, uh, lost and found, you know, to find your luggage. I've seen stories, countless stories where people have been able to use air tags to let the police know where their bags are. So then the police can actually, actually go and recover their, um, uh, their lost items, whether it be a bag, you know, you got a, uh, expensive equipment in it. Or if it's just luggage that you need to find out, you know, the airline is telling you, uh, we don't know where your luggage is. I saw a story to where somebody said, I'm actually looking at my luggage right now. And it says it's in your airport. And then, oh, all of a sudden, mysteriously, your luggage shows up. So if you're a travel uh, person that likes to travel and, you know, you like to check a lot of bags, you're not doing the carry ons. Or if you just want peace of mind, I would definitely suggest air tags, especially if you're an Apple user. Like I said, these are on sale for. $75, which I think is um, about $25 off. Not a big deal, but definitely something I would advocate for. Okay. So my last pick here is called the Razer Kishi V2 for Android or iOS. What this device is, is basically a uh, controllers to play games on your smartphone. So imagine a Xbox or PlayStation controller. That's split in the middle. <laughs> um, you can slide the, uh, you know, two halves of the controller apart, slide your device in. It'll be lightning for the iPhone. It'll be USB-C for Android, then snap back together. And you now have your phone in between very, very good Xbox-like controllers. Um, and that's what the Razer Kishi V2 is. Now, I had the version one. And, um, I, you know, and it was, it was cool. It was, it was one of those 
those things where I say like I am a gadget fiend. So even though I don't play a lot of video games on my phone, it was kind of cool to have. And trust me when I tell you, it makes playing um, any type of shooting game or driving game or any game where you literally you're trying to use your thumbs on the screen as compared to, you know, playing like, you know, the, the games where you just have like tiles dropping or, you know, candy crush type games. But when you actually needed to be, you know, you use manual dexterity and your thumbs to control stuff, these controllers make things significantly better. I had the version one, but I wasn't using it. So I kind of gave it to my nephew. Um, but I saw that they have version two out. And I will just say this for anybody. If, if you play, uh, you know, video games on your, uh, relatively new smartphone, let's just say something newer than, you know, you, you've gotten it since 2020. Um, you can play every bit of game that you would play on something like a Nintendo Switch. Uh, I mean, you know, th- these, these phones are high powered enough that you can play significant games and you'll just enjoy them more if you have the actual, uh, controls. Uh, you know, this has, you know, left D pad, right D pad, you know, thumb, you know, um, you know, triggers has got, you know, um, you know, you know, um, you know, index finger triggers, multiple of them. It's got, it's, it's, it's basically like using an Xbox controller or almost like using like an Xbox elite controller or a PS, you know, like a PS2 or a PS3 or four or five controller that has all those buttons on it. Um, and it just gives you all kind of ability to play these games with. So, um, once again, like I said, I don't have the version two, but everything that I've read about the version two, it just trumps version one in almost every way. So if you at all play games or ever would think you would play a game on your mobile device, whether it be Android or uh, iOS, check out the Razer Kishi V2 for Android or iOS. All right. And then my last one is Apple Watch SE, the most current version of the Apple Watch uh, you got to go to Walmart to get this one, but uh get $50 off at $150 for the latest Apple Watch SE. So I'm actually looking at this for one of my kids uh for her for Christmas, because maybe a year or so ago, we bought her the Apple Watch version three, which was already long in the tooth at the time we purchased it. So it's showing its age super slow, uh doesn't connect as fast, doesn't transmit messages as fast. So. Uh, looking to upgrade her for Christmas. So definitely looking for a Apple watch. So I may pick this one up for my daughter. Like I mentioned, it is on sale for $150, 100, yeah, $150, which normally I think are $199. So definitely check that out. Like I said, you got to go to Walmart to get it, but definitely check that one out. Good pick, man. So I actually like this segment, you know, with the, with the holidays coming up, maybe we'll do it a, you know, a time or two again before, uh, before Christmas gets here. Um, in yep. case anybody is uh, interested in just what we think is good tech that you might want to go out there and get. But we are to that time in the show where we have to acknowledge our patrons. So for those of you who don't know, the Tech John is a podcast, uh, you know, an audio listening experience first, but we do record it. You know, there are folks who are actually watching us right now live record this show. And one of the ways that you can actually do that is to become a patron of the Tech John. So I want to shout out, you know, www.patreon.com forward slash the Tech John for anyone who wants to become a patron like Chris Palmer, who just became one a few days back. So Chris Palmer is our latest, you know, patron who is supporting us over on Patreon. We want to shout out to you and say thank you for helping us do what we do. And once again, for anybody else who's interested in becoming 
a uh, patron and supporting the show and getting access to our Discord and to potentially ad free RSS feeds and, you know, being able to watch us live stream the show. It is patreon.com forward slash the tech John. We thank once again, Chris Palmer. So with that, my friend Terrence, um, we are at the end of the show. As folks probably realize, uh, Stephanie is not here. She will be back next week. And until that time, uh, you know, we need to go ahead and tell folks how they can get at us. So why don't you tell Terrence how folks can get at you? Uh, find me everywhere at Brother Tech, B-R-O-T-H-A-T-E-C-H. Like I said, on Twitter, on Instagram, well, on Twitter and so they forgot what Twitter is going to do with itself. <laughs> Instagram. And like I mentioned at Activision <laughs> at brother tech. <laughs> and I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at the tech John on all the things. So come check us out. Uh, holler at us. Let us know how your tech life is going until we mean it up in a week's time. Peace. Peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.